Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. To be here with you this morning, and I'll tell you what, there's no place I'd rather be than right here at LifeGate. I love this place, love this church. And I just, I've seen you guys grow over the last 14 years and just the different building projects and all the different things you've done. I mean, this is an amazing church. I'm so proud of you. And I'll tell you, I'm so thankful for your pastors. Pastor Chad and Amber are some of the greatest people I know on the planet. Come on, anybody else agree with me in here? And I'm just very thankful that they're my close close friends. You know that Chad used to work with me in ministry at our church when I was the youth pastor. He was one of our staff and interns and he'd play the drums for us too. And I felt so honored to have such an incredible drummer in in a band that I was playing in because I was terrible. You know, I'm the kind of guy they'd ask you to do a solo, solo you couldn't hear it. You know, a duet, do it somewhere else or a trio, three or four miles away. I mean, you got, those are some dad jokes for you there if you want to use them, Jeff. So I'm just honored to be here, and I love your pastors and what God's doing through this place. And uh, so why don't you just turn, don't, don't touch anybody unless you're related to them, but you can point at them and just say, you are so blessed to be in this family with me. Come on, tell them, tell them, say, you're so blessed. You're so blessed, yeah. Well, I want to tell you this morning that just like Chad grew up in the church with his dad being a pastor, so did I. I grew up my whole life and I got to do special things. You see how I'm putting those air quotes in there? Special things as a PK, as a pastor's kid. One of those special things is uh, from the time I was in kindergarten all the way up to my freshman year in high school, my dad would take me to school every day and drive me to school. And you know how most kids, most of y'all probably growing up, y'all got to sleep on the way in the car. Or you might get to study for the test you had that day. Not us. We memorized scriptures. That's what we did. We memorized scriptures from the time I was five years old to the time I was 14 years old. We memorized scriptures. Now, let me just tell you something. That was not fun to me. I did not think of that as a special privilege. But now that I can, like, have those scriptures in my heart, uh, you know, like, I just, every now and then I'll be going through something and I'll say, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all with open face beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed into his image from glory to ever increasing glory. Second Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, when that flows out of your heart, how many of you wish that when you were a kid, your parents would have made you memorize some scripture? Yeah, so what I'm saying is, it really stunk. (laughs) It was really frustrating, but I look back at the spiritual inheritance that I received from my dad and from my mom, and I'm just so grateful for what I got, even if I wasn't grateful in the moment. So some of the young people in here, you need to hear what I'm saying, all right? When mom and dad are telling you, this is going to be good for you, okay? There are some things that are like that. And I think I've been thinking about these things because as I would drive up into the school, you know, we would memorize those scriptures. And then the very last thing every single day from the time I was five years old till I was 14, my freshman year, every day, the last thing my dad would say is, okay, Scott, as you're getting out of the, you know, say your family verse. And so we had a family verse. So I was getting out of the car, I'd say, 
Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 1914, love you, dad, as if love you, dad, was part of the verse, you know, because that was the last thing we did. And this last month, uh, a year ago, August, uh, my dad passed away. He went to go be with the Lord. And I think that's why a lot of these things are coming up in me that I'm thinking about, I'm reflecting about, because I, I lost my dad and I miss my dad. And that's, it's not easy. He had Lewy body dementia. So you probably have heard of dementia or Alzheimer's. And Lewy body dementia is, is something I would never wish on my, any, I mean, it's terrible. Because it isn't just... Um, where you're losing your memory, it, it attacks your brain and actually caused him to start hallucinating and started getting violent and started thinking paranoia that everybody's against him. And that's not easy on him. It's not easy on my mom when she couldn't handle it anymore. We had to get him some memory care places. And then we had to do that two more times because he got kicked out of those because of different issues of just how the disease worked. So it was a tough time. I remember, uh, this last year, about two months before he passed away, I went to go see him at the memory care place. And he was standing there at the nurse's station when I walked in. And I thought, you know, I walk in, he would say, hey, you know, like this. But no, he, I walked over by him. He's standing here at the nurse's desk like this. I walked next to him like this. And as I stand there, it's almost as if he was saying, hey, watch out, man. I'm talking to her right now. He's like, wait your turn, you know, like this. And he's talking to her. And as he's talking, she says, who is that next to you, Dr. Wilson? And he looked at me like this and he says, well, he's a fine looking young man. And she said, yeah, but who is it? And he said, well, he looks very familiar. She said, well, look one more time and see who it is. He was getting frustrated. And he said, well, if you want to know so bad, why don't you ask him yourself? Isn't that funny? That he, <laughs> if you want to know so bad. So I turned to him like this and I grabbed him by the shoulder. I said, hey, look at me. Listen to my voice. Look in my eyes. You know me. And as he looked back at me, he kind of leaned in almost like he was looking in my eyes to my soul. And he goes, Scott? Is that, Scott, is that you? I said, yeah, dad, it's me. And he, instead of hugging me, he turned to every person in the room. Uh, it's like a living room setting and there's like nine other memory care people in there just kind of looking around, you know, like, hey, you know, like this. And he goes, it's my son. My son's here. Scott's here. He's here. He's here. Like he's an, <laughs> he's so loud and, you know, boisterous, but he went from not knowing who I was to, ah, he's here. It's my son. Talk about emotions. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm just going to be transparent and vulnerable with you today. I got dad issues. I got mom issues. My biggest dad issue right now is he's gone. And some of you know what I'm talking about when I say dad issues and mom issues. Right off the bat, you know, well, I got dad issues, mom issues. Some of you are going, ah, not me. I, I'm a, it wasn't all great, but it wasn't like whatever, okay? And, and yet, let me just tell you, if you're human and if you're breathing, you got dad issues. You got mom issues. Even if you had a good dad, let me show you this. If a good dad's here, a bad dad's here, a perfect dad is all the way to the stars. And that's God. So the distance between even a good dad and a bad dad may be far, but it's like this compared to how perfect he is to even to the best. 
And here's the thing you need to know is some of you today, you say, well, easy, you know, you're up there acting all sad about your dad dying. And that is sad, but at least you had him for 50 years. My dad left us. I never even knew my dad. Some of y'all, your parents got divorced and you don't, you're not close to your dad. 21 million kids right now in America are growing up without a dad. Not because he's dead, but because he's not there. I even had a guy in our church walk up to me and he said, I'm all sad for you about your dad and all that, but let me tell you something. At least your dad didn't beat you up every day, all right? So maybe you should think about that. Now, he wasn't like, it kind of came off like that. But as I kind of sat down with him, then he just busts out crying. He just, he's just saying, I'm hurting. All of us have dad and mom issues. And some of y'all are going like, well, crud, I thought it was going to be a good Sunday. This one stinks. This is like a bummer. <laughs> hey, there's good news. You ready for the good news? Here's the good news. God says he will be a father to the fatherless. I said, there's good news. He will be a father to the fatherless. And that doesn't just mean he'll be a dad to those of you who didn't have a dad. And he'll be a mom or he'll fill in that gap if you didn't have it. But it means that he'll father you in places you weren't fathered. And he'll heal you in places you were hurt. He will fill every gap and he will heal every hurt that comes from mom and dad. Oh my gosh, is that powerful? That's so powerful. It's, it's a huge deal because it speaks to the very core desires and needs of our life. And this is a human need to have healing and wholeness in our relationship with our dad and our mom. How do I know? Because I know if we do not get intimately connected with God as our father, we will constantly be searching for ways to fill those gaps and heal those wounds in our heart with coping mechanisms that are not always that helpful to us in the end. Because we need that from the father. In fact, the things I'm missing from my dad that I want from my dad really just represent and remind me of what I desperately need from my dad. Jesus needed this. What? Jesus did? Yeah. Jesus needed to be intimately connected to the father in order to be whole. How do I know it? Because in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, it's in your notes. You can look at it there as well. In Luke 3, 20, uh, 22, it says, you, this is the father. Jesus is getting baptized and hallelujah, 69 people baptized. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Amazing. Do you know how many churches in America don't have 69 in like 69 years? <laughs> Come on, this is amazing. When Jesus was baptized in Luke chapter 3, it says in verse 22 that the Father spoke to him, but spoke to him in a way that he didn't just let Jesus hear him, but he spoke in a way where other people could hear it as well. How many of you know if the Father said something to Jesus, but he said it where everybody could hear it and it could be written in the Bible for us to know it, 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 it must be pretty important and he wants us to know. So we need to pay attention. It's short but massive. Here it is. The father said, you are my son who I love and whom I am well pleased. Short, but massive. You are my son. I love you and I am well pleased with you. What does this speak to? It speaks to the very core of what Jesus needed to hear from the Father, what each one of us need to hear from the Father. It's, it's this whole, you are my son or you are my daughter. That speaks to what? The core need we have in identity. You can write that in your notes if you want. That's our identity. 
who we are. I'm his son. It says that I love you. That speaks to affection. To feel, man, he cares about me. He loves me, right? And the third one is you're the one in whom I am well pleased or I delight in. That's a affirmation. These are the three things we need from our parents, but that we desperately must have from the Father in order for us to be okay in here and whole and at peace. And if you wake up every day and there's a longing or there's a, ah, I gotta just prove myself or I gotta find something that makes me feel good about myself and your identity is all over the place like this or you don't feel affirmed or you don't feel loved, you know, it's really reminding you that you're needing to get intimately connected with the Father. Because he wants to say that. You say, no, 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 no. He's saying that to Jesus. Why is this all pumped up to me? It's not applied to me. It's about Jesus. Well, check this out. In John 17, verse 23, Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross. How many of you think if Jesus is praying and it's written in the scripture, right before he goes to the cross, this might be an important prayer? And here's one of the things he says in verse 23. He prays to the Father. Father, I pray that those who believe upon the witness of my disciples. How many of you have believed in Jesus? So guess who he's praying for? You. He's praying for you. Right then he was praying for you and me. And he says, I pray for them that they might know what? That they might know that you love them in the same way you love me. Why is he praying this? Because he knew it would be so challenging and so difficult for any of us to believe that could be true. Not me. I know God so loves the world, but not me. (laughs) He might have saved me, but he don't like me. Because he knows what I'm thinking and he knows what I'm doing. Come on, anybody out there going to be honest with me that that's how I feel sometimes. That he probably, he forgives everybody else. And yeah, he probably forgives me, but he also got his eye on me and he can see how screwed up I am. And yet Jesus said, I'm praying right now, Father, that they would know you love them the same way that you love me. How did the father love Jesus? I want you to notice this. He said, you are my son. I love you. And I'm well pleased with you. And he had never done a miracle He had never preached a message yet. He had never raised anybody from the dead or opened any blind eyes. He had not preached one message, called one disciple. He hadn't started his ministry at all. And before he did one thing, the father said, I love you. I'm pleased with you. Just because you're my girl. Do, Do you get this? That the father wants you to know You're his son, he loves you, and he is well pleased with you. And you don't have to go do stuff to get him to say it or to think it. He gives that to you before you do anything, and that's what motivates you to go do things. Come on, how many of you know some of us have got it backwards? I feel like i got to do holy things, righteous things, be perfect, give money, do this, do all those other things, so that God, maybe, 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 maybe he will say something like, hey, it's all right. And even so, then going, can you keep that up next week? It's all right, but let's see what you do next week. That's what plays in our mind, and that's not God. That's the lies of the enemy that are playing in your head. This is God. I love you, son, and I am well pleased with you, no matter what you do, no matter how much you do. And then it's out of that, it's out of that, like, I cannot believe he loves me. He is pleased with me. What can I give? What can I do? And it's with joy, not with 
God, I hope I get some kind of smile. Isn't that powerful? So I go in and my dad doesn't know who I am. And then all of a sudden, ah, it's Scott. And the emotions that, why is that such a big deal? Because part of my whole identity is wrapped up of I'm Tom Wilson's son. He doesn't know who I am. It kind of rocks my identity. And then he announces me to everyone celebrating me. Identity. Man, I, I, I'll tell you what, as much as I want that from my earthly dad, I need that from my heavenly father. I needed it to be even right now that I know in my heart, it's like the father's looking down and saying, look at my boy. Look how passionate he is about me. Look how proud he is of me. Look how he's bringing glory to me. Look how he loves those people. Look how he just wants them to know me so much. Just look at Gabriel, Michael, get over here. Check him out. That's my boy. Come on. That's what I'm saying. I need to hear that. I need to feel that. Come on. You need that too. That's identity of who I am. And then to say affection is a big deal. Come on. That's huge. When I was in there and I told my dad, I said, Dad, you want to play the piano? Like after he had said, this is my son. There's a piano in there. He's an incredible pianist. In fact, he would tell me all the time, Chad, he said, son, I know you will probably surpass me in many things, but I have a record. I've sold 5,000. You have done nothing. (laughs) So I said, Dad, do you want to play the piano? And he goes, son, I don't want to play the piano. I want to be with you. And I think part of it had to do with the last time we'd been in there playing the piano, he's losing his mind in this place and he's over there playing the piano and he messed up where he was and forgot where he was three times. So finally he just closed it and went, this is a terrible piano. (laughs) Isn't that funny? So I said, how many of y'all ever been around a terrible instrument? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Maybe it's the lady or the guy playing it, you know, but I said, hey, dad, why don't I play it? He goes, okay, do that. So I tried to, I I said, what can I play? I played Amazing Grace thinking he, how could he not know that? You know, if there's any song, he knew the tune, he whistled it, but he couldn't remember the words. But as I was playing it, he was whistling like this and I I got done. He looked at me and he goes, anybody can play good if you play that loud. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that funny? So I just, this day, I said, you want to play the piano? He said, no, I just want to sit with you, son. I want to soak it. And we went over and sat on the couch, and he squeezed my face like five different times like this. Oh, I love you. Like, I'm 50 years old, and he's over there, you know, kissing me on my head, talking to me. And, man, by the time I got done, I was just messed up emotionally all over the place. I got in the car, and I just bust out crying. And I felt like the heavenly father got in the car with me and just put his hand on my shoulder and said, I got you. Just know when you're hugging him, I'm hugging you. He's kissing your face, so am I, you know. And um, when you're at home and you're scared about what's going to happen with him and your mom and everything, just know I got you. I love you. God just cried and cried, but I could feel his love. And then that affirmation deal, that's a big deal for me. Like, y'all have ever done the test on the five love languages? You know what I'm talking about? What are those five love languages? Do y'all remember? Acts of service. Yeah, quality touch. Yes. Okay, maybe it isn't quality touch. I get that messed up all the time. It's not quality touch, is it? It's quality time. I get that confused all the time. 
Physical touch, good. What else? Affirmation and gifts. So mine is affirmation. Affirmation is a big one for me. Like, I just want to be affirmed. And so with my dad, I was telling my counselor, I've been going to counseling for over 25 years. I go every other week for two hours. Uh, and some of you may look at me and say, dude, I can tell why. You're screwed up. You know, <laughs> you should have seen me before the 25 years, okay? Really, I think of going to a counselor as going to a professional burden bearer. The Bible says, go to each other to help each other carry your burdens. I think of them as a professional burden bearer. And, and what I do is I think of them as, help, as one of the key players on my growth team instead of thinking of it as a crisis management. Listen, you don't wait till you're dying of thirst to go build a well. You build a well so when you're thirsty, you've got something to go to. So I'm not waiting around thinking, man, if I'm ever in crisis, I'm going to go. Like it's not coming. So I was with my counselor. I said, man, I really wish I could be, I just, I wish my dad could tell me that he's proud of me. I wish my dad could tell me. I just, there's a, it nags at me a bit. Like, you know, I pastored with him for 30 years as my dad, as my pastor. And then for the last 20 years as a pastor, I just want to know. He says, well, he doesn't tell you. I said, yeah, but he's out of his mind. I walk down the platform, he's crying, and the whole time I've been preaching, he's over there like this, hallelujah, hallelujah, and he's crying, and when I get down, he always goes, you're the best pastor in the whole world, you're the, like that, and I'm going, but what's that? He thinks he works for Trump in the education department, he thinks he's got his dissertation on education, he shows it to Fox News on the TV, that doesn't mean anything. He goes, two different parts of the brain, two different things. With this disease, he has no filter. So whatever he says to you about you and what he feels about you and thinks about you has zero filter. It's the most honest core of what he feels about you there could be. At that moment, I go, I got to call the guy. <laughs> I called my mom and I said, do you think there'd be a time that I could come pick him up? She said, I think Thursday would be good. I come and pick him up. I open the door and he's sitting in a chair that he's faced right at the door like this. And he's looking at the door. And when I get there, he goes, let's go like this. And I look at my mom and said, He's been sitting there for an hour. He's been waiting for you. So I said, all right, let's go, Dad. We go to Saltgrass. Takes us three hours to eat, not because the service is slow, but because he gets a salad and he has to cut every piece of lettuce multiple times. And he gets fixated on different things. So I was there with an agenda that I wanted to talk to him about. Do you think I'm doing good? But every time I tried to get to any of that, he would say, son, we must talk about the children at the border. I said, what, what children at the border? The Mexican border. Son, they have no hope. And he pulled out his napkin he had at home, and he had drawn pictures, and there's all these crossed out things, and then there's this, this looks like a billboard. And sure enough, he says, we must put billboards like this all across the border, every crossing of the border from Mexico. And it needs to say up there, welcome to your window of opportunity. Life school in Oaks Church. They have no hope without education and without Jesus. And we're the ones who've got to help them, son. Here's a guy who's lost his mind, but not his vision. He went back to school in his 60s to get his, to do it, to get his doctorate degree so he could start a free tuition charter school that now my brother leads with 5,000 students. And even with his mind gone, he's got a vision. We've got to help those kids. But it's frustrating for me because every time I go, so how do you think I'm doing? Fine. These kids at the border. 
So finally we got in the car after we had eaten and we got in the car. I said, Dad, can you just look at me real quick? Do you think we could just stop for a second? I worked with you for 30 years. I know, son, I know. For the last 20 years I've been the pastor and you've been coming and I just wondered, do you think I'm doing okay? He looked back at me and says, are you kidding? You're the best pastor I've ever known. You're not just my son, you're my pastor. God speaks through you right to me every week. You are on my shoulders and you've taken it to a whole other place. I couldn't be more proud of you. And when he said that, I felt like I was five years old on my way to kindergarten. And I leaned over. The only difference is I'm in the driver's seat now. Right? The roles have switched. And I lean over and I say, Dad, you know, in the Old Testament, the dads would pray over their sons, pray that blessing, that spiritual inheritance. Would you pray that over me? He said, you know I will. And as I leaned over the console, he put his hands on my shoulders like this. He said, Heavenly Father, touch my son. Let your blessing and your grace and anointing be upon him in every way. And Lord, help those little children on the border. <laughs> Seriously, that's exactly how it went. But it was good enough for me. That was good. You know, that affirmation I needed from my dad, can I tell you how much more I desperately have to have it? That the father is saying, I'm pleased with you. I delight in you. I not only saved you, but I like you. And I love being with you. And it's the truth. Jesus is praying that we would even know it's true. And listen, you can receive this, that you're his daughter. You're his son. He loves you perfectly. You can't do anything to get him to not love you. And he, will, he, he thinks you're incredible. He thinks you're incredible. He is pleased with you. But you have to believe it. You have to believe it. When my dad uh, had his, when we had the funeral for my dad last year, my mom asked my son, Dakota, if he would sing. Now I have three sons. Dylan is my oldest. And then Hunter is right behind him, 13 months behind him. It was really close. And then had um, Dakota. He's 22 now. He's a singer-songwriter. Love him. Um, just incredible. We are very close, but he's an artist. And so in his mind, it's kind of like he doesn't see things the way. So he and I are close, but he's like, Dad, I don't know if I'm all into the church thing. And like, okay, cool on God. But I don't know if, the, you know, if I really believe everything the same way you do. I'm okay, but it's been kind of challenging. My mom asked him what he sing at my dad's funeral and asked, he said, what do you want me to sing, Nana? And she, she said, would you sing I Surrender All? I've probably watched him sing that song on my phone recording, I don't know, hundreds, I don't know how many times, over and over and over, play it in the car. In the video, he'll, he'll be like this, I surrender all. He touches his heart like this. I surrender. Oh, it's awesome. He did so good. I mean, it was powerful. I don't know how the theology works on all that, that you, you don't have to believe everything I believe for God to use you. <laughs> but he did. When the whole deal was over, I went to the graveside to bury my father. And when I got back, I didn't know what had happened. 
But my wife pulled me aside. Jenny said, come here, you got to talk. Listen, I got to tell you, you need to go talk to Dakota. He's about to leave. He's had about as much family as he can take. And he's going to go, but you need to talk to him. I said, about what? He did great. I know, but something happened. I said, what? Here's what happened. After the service was over, my son was hanging around with all the family that was in there. And one of my uncles was standing with a group of people bragging on my dad and on me. So he goes, oh, Tommy would be so proud today. Did you hear that message from his son, Scott? Woo, look at this place. Look at this mega church. It is crazy. You don't think Tommy's proud of his son? Woo, he is a pastor among pastors. Oh my God. And his sons. Oh, they're going to a whole other level. That, that Dylan, he married that famous singing girl. And they're in Tulsa at that one of the fastest growing churches in America. You know, they're, I mean, they're just killing it. And Hunter, Hunter's one of the executive pastors, married that doctor's daughter. They're rich, 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 rich. They're just, woo, man. And then, you know, and, and then, you know, Dakota, he's kind of the hippie. You saw him, the hippie guy. He's kind of the black sheep of the family. You know, every family has that. And my son, Dakota, is standing right behind him. And after the, I said, well, how did you find out? He said, I went up to Dakota afterwards, and he's upset. And I said, what's wrong? You did great. He said, nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, he told me. I said, I'll handle it. So I walked Dakota out to the car. I said, can I walk with you, man? Let me walk. You did so good. Thanks, Dad. I'm serious. It was amazing. Thank you. We got to his car like this. I said, can I just talk to you a minute? You know, father, son, let's have a moment. Can you look me in my eyes? And he said, okay. So mom told me about what my uncle said. He goes, stupid. I said, no, listen, look at me. God just used you in a massive way in there. Like the spirit of God was on you and through you and touched people in a gigantic way. And I'm telling you, the enemy did not like it. And he used my uncle who's weak. And the enemy came in to speak a lie over you to tell you you don't fit in, you're not uh, uh, worthy, you're not a part, you're, these other people are solid and great, you're not. That is a lie of the enemy. Let me tell you what I was saying on the front row right before you sang a note. I turned to my district superintendent, my assistant superintendent, those are the pastors over me, all of my presbyters, and I looked down the road and said, hey, 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 and they all looked down at me and I said, you're about to get blown away. My son is about to sing, and you have never heard anything like this. That's what I said. And can I tell you, just like I think the enemy was talking through my uncle, I think God the Father was speaking through me. And now you're in the middle, and you get to choose which one you're going to vote with. Because the devil gets a vote on your life, son, and God gets a vote on who you are in your life. And whoever you vote with becomes the truth of your life, whether it's a lie You know, that's the truth. Hey. Do you realize that's the truth for every single one of you? Do you realize every single one of you, the enemy, has meant for you to hear in traumatic, deep moments of your life, for you to hear a lie that you're no good, that you'll never be good enough, that God loves the world but not you, that he doesn't think you're that great, you're not that gifted, you're not that special. In fact, you see God through glasses that are skewed through, through some kind of filter that's dirty 
from what your dad said and what your mom did and what your uncle said and what you heard that coach. All that stuff blocks how you see how God sees you. I told him, whoever you vote with wins. And I want you to know right now, truth is, you're a man of God. You're anointed and gifted by God. And you're one of the most gifted individuals I know. And I am proud you are my son. And he's proud you're his son too. I said, let me tell you something else. You know Moses and Joshua? He goes, I went to Sunday school. I said, okay, okay. Moses, he led the children of Israel in one era, and Joshua led the children of Israel in another. If Moses would have told Joshua to do everything just like him, they would have been messed up. Because when they were in the desert, they had manna. When they went into the promised land, there was no manna. They had to plant crops and grow them up. When they were in the desert, there had to be a cloud by day and a fire by night. There was no cloud by day or fire by night in the promised land. They had to learn how to be led by the Spirit. When they were in the desert, they weren't fighting battles. All Joshua did is fight battles. When they were here, he, it, it, it was a totally different day. So Moses didn't tell Joshua, you got to do it like me, and it's a good thing, so Joshua would be ready to lead in his day. And I said, son, I am a Moses generation, but God has made you and called you and shaped you to be a part of a leadership of a Joshua generation. You don't need to think like me, lead like me, be like me, be who God made you to be. And he's standing there like this, he goes... Dad, this may be the most important conversation we've ever had. I said, I think it is. It was very mature of you. <laughs> Isn't that great? He started laughing. I started laughing too. It was very, you know, he said, you know what I mean, right? I said, I think. He said, I don't know many parents who would say that to their son who isn't doing everything they think that they should do. And I certainly don't know many pastors who would say that. Thank you. I said, can I pray for you? Yeah, and I pray for him. Here's what I'm saying to you today. Some of you right now, you have so many reasons in your mind why you're not worthy and why you're not loved and why God's got to be disappointed in you and angry with you. And those are all lies of the enemy spoken through an uncle, spoken through a mom, spoken through a dad from a moment when you were five or when you were 10 or when you were 15 or last week on your job. And let me tell you something, those are lies of the enemy because right now the father is saying, you are my son and you are my daughter and I love you and I am well pleased with you. but you have to believe it. I'm 51 years old now. I'm still having to wake up every day and saying, God, could you tell me again? I'm your son. Could you just remind me again? You're pleased with me. Could you just talk to me again that you love me? Because it's like layers of an onion. You know how like you just pull this one back and today we may pull this back and this back. Maybe we got a couple of layers through on today. I feel like I'm on my 28 millionth layer. It's like continually God dealing with me on this.